0: This is episode 155 with the Lauren Donahue. You're tuned into Forever Athlete Radio, where together we go far. I'm your host, Corey Camp, former Division I swimmer, Forever Athlete founder, and your personal flow coach helping you optimize your life. One conversation at a time, I promise you. This conversation is going to be one of those today. I know I say that every time, but I truly mean it. Let's go around. Remember, you can text or call in to the show at 301-747-0718. And today, I'm joined by my dear friend, Lauren, who is an expert in health, wellness, mind-body connection. And at this point, by the time this airs, she's going to be a frequent flyer of the show because she's joined us on the trail talks and all these other episodes. But Lauren, for context, has been the creator of Unplugged Mornings. Can't even speak right now. I apologize. She created Unplugged Mornings. Uh, a nine-step process to really help individuals disconnect, to reconnect back to their true self, which, you know, if you're in that dopamine detox challenge right now, it's exactly what we're trying to do as well. In connection to that effort, Lauren has just maximized her life. She's hiked Mount Kilimanjaro, spent almost 9 not 90, 60 days living in a cave. Can you believe it was 90? You could have probably gone for 30 days more, I promise. Uh, and she's competed in a whole bunch of competition reality de- TV shows. She's an athlete at heart. She's a serial entrepreneur now. She's just launched her new brand Molly Coffee who is really honoring her grandfather with that all the proceeds are donated, not all the proceeds, but a portion of the proceeds donated to the Parkinson's Foundation. Lauren, I'm going to shut up now because that was a, a very long lengthy intro, but uh I appreciate you taking the time today. How the heck are you?
1: I love the, the frequent, you said frequent flyer of the show. (laughs) So funny. Yeah. Um, I'm doing well as, as good as I can. As you know, I lost my grandfather this week, so, um, it's kind of been up and down roller coaster. but it's conversations like this that bring me joy and reignite that fire. So thank you for having me today.
0: Yeah, of course, of course. I know what you're going through and, um, (laughs) do you want to start with, really just how you got into athletics in the first place, because I've been blown away just getting to know you the past few months. And every time you're just like, oh yeah, like I competed in this, like I did that. I'm just like, what hasn't this girl done? So where did it start for you?
1: Well, as I just mentioned, my grandfather It definitely started with him. He had a basketball in my hand as soon as I could walk. He had put three different basketball goal sizes out in the backyard at his place. He had a pole vault hole dug there. He had softball. He had an entire field set up for softball. So I grew up in Kansas, and honestly, there isn't much else to do in Kansas besides play sports. So that, growing up in Kansas, and then having a grandfather who just wanted to see me win. And the cool thing is, it was all about play. We didn't have all these devices and things like that. We were out in the yard Mm -hmm. as long as we could be before we got called in for dinner. And I think I attribute all of that to him. I don't know if I would have had the love for sport that I do if I didn't grow up with my grandparents and have him as a coach and i also wouldn't definitely wouldn't have been as good as i was at the sports that i played if he wasn't out there playing with me every day. i remember i just told a friend when we were hiking the other day he would make me make 100 free throws before i could come back inside and i look back at that now and it's so cool cuz at the time i would be annoyed. i didn't want to make 100 free throws, you know, i wanted to go in and eat and but i look at all the championships we won and the coach always wanted the ball in my hand at the end of the game. If we were down by one or two mm-hmm. and he wanted me to drive in and get fouled and go to the free throw line, cause he knew he could count on me to make this free throw. So, um, it's all, all of it goes back to my grandfather and anything we probably talk about on this podcast, any wisdom that comes out of my mouth is definitely from my grandfather. So that is the long-winded answer. My grandpa.
0: <laughs> I love that. You're just a vessel for the knowledge that is flowing through you. You know what I mean? I'm, that's right. <laughs> I, I love the hundred free throws too. It's uh I mean repetition is really what it's all about. Take me through that journey when you left left sport, quote unquote. I don't think you've ever left it. You still find some ways to compete and you know scratch that itch when you have it. But what was that transition out of like formal organized sports like for you in your experience?
1: Yeah, it was actually really rough. I didn't know at the time that I was losing my identity. It just Mm -hmm. was happening. So I can look back on it now and realize that's what happened. But like I said, from probably two years old, um, all the way up through college basketball, I was playing sports, not just one, but I was playing multiple sports um, for that entire time. And I was typically the team captain. And so team is the only thing I knew. And so coming out of that, I also, right when I got done with college and playing basketball, I moved from Kansas to California. So I moved across the country. I didn't know anyone and I definitely wasn't playing sports anymore. And so I kind of spiraled out of control. I think, you know, whether that was partying, drinking, getting in the wrong circles, kind of just reaching for anything outside of myself that I Mm. thought would bring some sort of comfort or pleasure or happiness, right? and i was about to move back to kansas uh, in about a month and one of my friends a guy friend asked if i wanted to play on his football team and i was like heck yeah i do and i had no idea that i was committing to playing on a football team that was o and 70 <laughs> i had never won a game and me being the competitive person that i was was like yo this is not okay And we actually won that first game that I played in. And of course that just juiced me up. And I was like, yeah, like I'm going to come back and play next week. So I kept playing on that team. And then I started getting recruited by other teams. So I thought I can't move back to Kansas. I got to play on these teams and I didn't want to ever miss a game. And so that was kind of a catalyst in like keeping me in California. And I remember the guy that invited me and I always like talk about him, but then I, I joined about four different softball teams and a volleyball team. And so I was playing again, you know, Monday through Sunday on these teams. So I realized then that's what I was missing was that whole team aspect. And I love working with people and connecting people and all of that. So it was cool to be able to bring that full circle, full Mm. circle back. And it doesn't just have to be sport, right? It could be uh, your team that you work with and things like that. So I think just the most important part of that is having your home team.
0: I love, I love that story of you, like being this close to leaving like all of this, like you, you gave LA a shot, you gave it a a try. And it was like, you know, it might not be for me. And now here we are, how many years later, like 12 plus years later, you're still LA. You're still, you're still. (laughs) Do you think any of that had to do at least how you were feeling at your first part here, your first bit of time before you found all the sports where you were looking for, I like to call them life teammates. Like when you were looking for life teammates, you said, you kind of alluded to it, not maybe making the best choices. Is that you were looking for life teammates and not less fulfilling? I won't even say non-fulfilling because people get something out of those activities as well. But to you, was it a less fulfilling experience than what you ended up finding ultimately?
1: Yeah, I think the best way to describe that is I didn't know it, but I had lost my identity. So when you don't know who you are and why you're here and what your purpose is and your mission is, then you grab on and latch on to anything and everyone around you. And so, yeah, I was going out and partying and doing these things that I wouldn't normally me wouldn't want to do. But I didn't know what else to do. And I wanted to meet people and connect with people. And so I was definitely reaching in all Mm. the wrong places. But that just had to do with not knowing who I was. So once I found sport again, and I realized that that's part of my identity is team, sport, being there for people, serving, that kind of stuff. Then I kind of went back the other direction and thought, how can I do that now, right? Life after sport. Because before I thought, really, I hadn't even heard of kind of like, um, co-ed sports, adult mm. sports, like after sport, right. Cause I only was in the competitive, like college, high school, that stuff. So I never really thought about it and that I could recreate that. And I did have to do some, I did have to do some mindset work around this because I had to realize that at this point it was more for fun than being competitive. And people get really mad at me because I took it so seriously, (laughs) like co-ed sports. Like I would literally like break up with a boyfriend over like the lineup or something. And so I was like, okay, I've got to like, realize this is for fun. Now I'm not getting paid for this. Um, so yeah, I had to kind of like transfer that energy a little bit.
0: (laughs) I love it. It's, um, It is challenging though, to find that switch, right? Where I think when I look at my journey and that's the one I can speak to the best, right? Is when I first got out, it was the same thing. Like I needed to be all in or it was all out. And if I was all in, if I was putting my time and name on something you best believe I'm coming all all effort here. what have you, what'd you do to try to, to work through that? I'm curious as to what worked for you. How have you you've been able to keep that competitive edge, but like also still keep your friends in the process?
1: <laughs> you know, it's actually really funny. Um, When you were saying that, I thought, gosh, I took it so serious. People called me gloves because I like, I was dating this guy that played in the NFL. So I made him get me gloves from the NFL. And I'm like, okay, those are the ones I'm wearing. And people are like, you're so insane. No one wears gloves for like two hand touch football. But I did. Um, So it was a reality check at first. of What's real? What's not real? um, What's okay? What's not Okay. But even funnier is someone from my softball team anonymously submitted me to that show where I ended up living in a cave for 60 days. And to this day, the person will not say who it was because of the experience and how like emaciated I was and how much weight I lost and just the whole thing in general. So I don't know who it was, but that experience kind of being stripped of everything I knew And every worldly possession. I didn't have even a shred of clothing on my body that I owned. And so it was that experience in the cave where I realized that we don't actually own anything in this life. It's all borrowed. It's all on loan. Our friends, our family, our things, our apartment, our car can be taken away in the blink of an eye. Um, I also was very like OCD before. And I think that came from sports too. Like Mm. um, I kind of don't know for sure the difference between like... OCD and um what is it where you have to wear the same socks every time There's like a word for it it starts with an s I think superstitious, superstitious yeah, yeah exactly so superstitious versus OCD but I was to the extreme on that too I think because of sports and so being in this cave I was like well I've never had to organize the woods before and I couldn't really be that OCD in there and so I feel like coming out of that I just learned like what life was actually about. And it was about connection, human connection, relationships, being grateful for what you do have. Uh, cause I think a lot of times we are like, Oh, I want more. And I, I forget to be grateful for what I have here. Uh, and, and I realized life should be more fun and it doesn't have to be so serious. And, um, it was, so it was that, and so it was like this This softball league that I went to after ended up someone from there putting me in this cave that changed my whole life. So that was really it. And I I obviously I can't tell people to go like live in a cave for 60 days, but you can, you know, do things that you're where you're more unplugged more often. So you can actually meet yourself and who you really are.
0: Mm. And that was gonna be my question was like, that's awesome that you had that revelation and that experience in 60 days in a cave. Most people hear that and they're like, well. I don't have 60 days and I have no desire to go live in a cave. Mm -hmm. Um, What would you, what would your piece of advice be to someone who's like, I'm intrigued by what you learned from there and I want to dabble in it, but I don't think I'm, I'm ready to just like sell it all and (laughs) experience.
1: Yeah realized that after that I thought I needed something even more extreme after that experience to give me another breakthrough to get mm. to another level. And so that's why I ended up hiking Kilimanjaro and we didn't, our phones. And so we were unplugged again for a, over a month really. And went and did this huge hike. And I mean, again, learned so many life lessons. And after that I was like, okay, These things are so extreme. What can people do every single day to get them in the same state? And that's when I came up with unplugged, which is the nine step practice for you to disconnect, to reconnect, reconnect back to your true self. And so I'm like every morning, if you can, before you reach for the device, right? Like ditch the device, ditch the phone, because here's the thing. You can't unsee it or Mm. unhear it. If you reach for your phone and you listen to the voice memo or you look at the email It's in your head. Even if you try to go into meditation after that, what's the thing you're thinking about? The email, the text message, you didn't get back to someone, you forgot to do something for work, whatever. And it's hard to drop into that super meditative state when you've already done that. Like, think about. After you've been sleeping for eight hours, you're in this prime state for, for silence, for meditation, for you to set yourself up for success. So the thing is every morning, whether you have five minutes or an hour, I think you can work yourself up to an hour, but start with five minutes to something that's super attainable. And drop in the steps are connecting breath work, being in silence, meditating, praying, whatever works, right. Nourishing your body. So having water next to your bed, because we were dehydrated after eight hours of sleep. So just rehydrating, nourishing the body, um, ways that you can integrate play, um, learning. So reading, taking time to read each day. Um, taking time to let go of something, forgive someone or something or yourself, and then exercise movement, right? Movement is medicine. So whatever that is for you, um, Pilates, HIIT workouts, going for a hike, something cool, um, but just move your body and then declare what you want. So that was all the steps like kind of condensed. But the whole point is plug into you, fill your cup up first, and then serve others from that overflow.
0: Mm. I love that you chose Pilates as the first movement that came to mind. As you were saying, movement is medicine.
1: I've done Pilates like twice in my life. Well, I have no idea. Maybe I need to go to Pilates.
0: The sign. It's a sign. You got to do more Pilates. Um, no, I, I love it. I love how you said too, whether it's five minutes or an hour, like the intention is there and you're so right that you can't unsee it. The amount of times that I like tried to fake myself out and like hit snooze or not, not hit snooze. Cause you know, who does that um, and the alarm on the phone. And then as soon as you end the alarm, you see like the text messages that came in or the notifications that came in overnight. And then even then just like locking the phone up again, you've already, you've already seen it. You already know like, oh shoot, my mom texts me. Like what, what does she want? What's, what's going on? And you start to spiral and think of all of these other things. Um, That's awesome. Did you have any like FOMO around whether when you were in the cave or Kilimanjaro, or was it just, you were so focused on forced to be focused on what was in front of you, that there was no thoughts of this is going on in the world at the same time.
1: Hmm. What's so interesting is you were actually in the cave. You were actually surviving. And so my mind was on surviving. Like, when are we going to get to eat again? I'm Mm. so cold. Like, how can I get warm? I have the like bug bites all over, but I, I, there's no medication or I can't put anything on them. So you're like thinking about them all the time. So you're very, in a way, like distracted from reality or any world outside of this world. Like this was it. And I think that's, it was so cool is it was you were able to peel back the layers and, and almost even collapse time. So time didn't exist. We didn't know what day it was and we didn't know how many days we had been in, had, we had been in there because there was no way to track that. So you never knew what time of day. You just knew it got light and then it got dark. And we usually would wake up when it got light and go to sleep when it got dark. Um, and so I feel like we, I don't think we had FOMO. It was like the world outside Imagine was going so fast, right? Everything's happening. People are still doing the thing. In there, it stood still. It basically felt like the same day we went in is the same day we came out, but like two and a half months had went by. So I didn't ever have FOMO. Um, I was also with really amazing people in there, which is the reason I say one of the life lessons was about human connection and how important it was of like we were helping each other survive. Like we were helping each other Get food, go to the restroom, like all these things that you would never even think. It's so bizarre, but we were doing that, and so I was just very, very connected to the people I was in there with.
0: I was saying, I think I need to go back and and watch the show. You know, at this point, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll watch it with you. I've actually never watched the whole show. I've only watched six out of the twelve episodes.
0: There we go. So I
1: need to watch it too.
0: There we go. Um, Maybe it's the same as like when I watch back or listen back to my own podcast. I'm like, this is weird. Um, I wonder if you'll get that watching back the TV show. It's reliving that that moment almost. Um, Yeah. Let's talk about your entrepreneurial journey because you've done a lot of cool stuff and you've you have experience and you've I won't even say dabbled. You've gone all in on fitness and then all in on a couple different companies from the F45 experience to a coffee company. I think people listening in might be like, how are those connected at all? What was your first kind of inclination that this entrepreneurial life was going to be the life for you and, and you were going to go for it?
1: I love that question. Um, I wanted to be an entrepreneur before I could spell entrepreneur and I'm not actually sure I could even spell it right now. (laughs) But when people were like, I want to be an astronaut and a lawyer and a doctor, I was like, I want to be an entrepreneur. So I knew from a really early age that I didn't necessarily want to work for people. And I got reaffirmed and confirmed every single time I would work for people that I did not want to work for people. (laughs) Um, And I'm glad I did because that taught me a lot. Again, I grew up playing sports. So I always had a coach telling me what to do. And I very much liked that at the time. And maybe it was just, I liked it in sport and cause I was really mm-hmm. excited about it. And I think that's something too, for the listeners, maybe when you're doing something you really like, you don't mind someone telling you what to do. And especially when you're in that phase of wanting to learn, but I think you get to a certain point and that's why athletes turn into coaches, right? You get to a certain point where it's like, Role reversal, and now you're the one coaching the person, and that's more fun for you than being, you know, coached. So, I think um, in life and business too, I was always very creative and coming up with ideas. I'm definitely a visionary and not an integrator. I need integrators in my life to make things happen, otherwise, I just come up with a lot of awesome ideas. Um, but I knew coming out of college too, that's what I wanted to do. And I just didn't ever know exactly how to start a business. And so I started by getting my personal training certification, group um, certification, spinning certification, and started doing that. So I was doing one-on-one, group, boot camp, all that fun stuff. And then that led me into um, owning a couple of the F45 franchises, one in Venice Beach and one in Pacific Palisades. I also helped F45 um, with their launches in the u.s the u.s which was super fun and got to connect with lots of athletes um, during that process. And then after that, because I had business partners, I realized I really wanted to do something on my own, like fully on mm-hmm. my own, because um, I really like to bring in charity to what I do. And sometimes that's not the case with business partners. And so you you live and you learn. And when there's an expiration date, you move on. Otherwise, it gets sour. So um, after that, I decided to do my own thing. And I started hosting workshops, um, retreats, And after I did several retreats, people wanted to pick my brain about hosting retreats. And so I started retreat coaching and I was kind of the first, and I don't even know if there are any other retreat coaches out there, but I did that for about a year before the pandemic. And so when that all happened and all of the retreats got canceled and live events and things, started doing virtual events and then coaching people on doing virtual events. And then, uh, in March of this last year, my Instagram account got hacked and so I felt like the business I'd been building for 10 years because I I do brand partnerships and deals, but I also um, promote all of my events through there. So kind of overnight, my whole business was gone and I was thinking about what I was going to do next. And that's when I went to do my unplugged morning and I was sitting there in silence and I meditated and I prayed and I was drinking my coffee and um, I heard a little whisper in the back my head, ear, and it was my grandpa's voice, circle back to Gramps, um, always showing up. And uh, he he would always say, the cream will always rise to the top. And right when I heard that, I thought, coffee, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to create a coffee company that's more than a coffee company, that's a brand that helps connect people through conversation and through events and all that kind of stuff. So that's how we got to where we are now with Lolly Coffee.
0: I love the story of how the coffee came about. And for context, for those not familiar with like how fast the coffee company was like start, I wouldn't, I'd say start to finish in the sense of like idea into we have a product that we are pushing out and are, is available for purchase was like hyperspeed, right? Can,
1: yeah, because what?
0: I was going to say, can you allude, I would, I just walk us through a little bit of like what behind the scenes, what needs to happen before you're selling the Raleigh roast, the first bag of coffee, because I know for me, I was like, oh, cool. she's starting a coffee company. Does that mean she just like buys some beans and like slaps her logo on it? And then it's like, good to go. What, what does that process look like? Cause I was amazed by it how much in detail it went. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So the cool thing is it was March 31st when the Instagram got hacked. So it was April 1st, which is like, what a joke, right? Um, When I decided I was going to do a coffee company. And so I just started reaching out. I took action, which again, for everyone listening, massive action messy massive action is the way to go if i didn't start calling everyone i knew that knew anything about coffee and start getting like meetings set up and all that kind of stuff we wouldn't be talking about this right now so i just went into massive action got on as many phone calls as possible started learning about coffee because i knew that i wanted to create a coffee that would make you feel good, so you would do more good in the world. I wanted it to be tested for molds, pesticides, all the things that give you those effects, you know, afterwards that you don't want, like headache, stomach ache, need a Mm -hmm. nap, all of that. And so I needed to talk to as many people as possible, talk to, Farmers, different places to source from, how they clean and process and wash. Then I needed to talk to roasters and I needed to connect with a roaster that I felt like I would be able to talk to it at all times and run ideas past and all of that kind of stuff, someone you can trust. And I listened to a bunch of podcasts and different stuff on starting coffee companies. And pretty much everyone across the board said it would be a year from the idea to bag in hand. And for me, it was about three months from idea to bag in hand. And I think that's just because of the action I was taking. And then it was about four months before we had the product ready to go and was live for purchase. And that's the only reason it was four months is because we had four different names that we went through that we tried to trademark. (laughs) So we couldn't really push it out when we didn't know for sure if we were gonna be able to get the name. So we were at a standstill for a while. And that's something too, I highly encourage you to like really do your research and get a trademark attorney, make Mm -hmm. sure they do an extensive search to that, so that you'll be able to use that name before you print a bunch of labels and bags and do your website. I redid the website four times. Uh, and so I, I made the mistake so that other people don't have to. And I shared all about the journey too, from start to finish. I have like highlights on it on my Instagram account so people can, you know, follow along and, and hopefully if they want to do something similar, it will encourage them and also educate them at the same time. So yeah, it was a, it was a long process through all that. And Corey was one of my first blind, literally blind. I had him put his mask on his eyes, um, <laughs> blind taste tester. And I realized that like, you don't actually need to be blind when you're drinking hot coffee.
0: <laughs> yeah. We, we live in learn. But, hey, that so was a that you were. <laughs> Oh, and you man. were on a
1: coffee break. So like you were, you got pretty jazzed
0: up. For coffee. Yeah. I was going through, I think I was a month or maybe even longer between like caffeine at that time. And I think you were the first cup of coffee that I had and about however long it was. And I just remember being like, Oh my gosh, like this is what the body's reaction to caffeine is supposed to be like after one cup of coffee. Like I don't need four, like so many yeah. of us out there. Um, unfortunately." become dependent on, you know what I mean? Um, the, the thing that sticks out to me that I want to highlight in that just journey of those four months, I know you said you redid the website four times and all of this, and you said to be a little bit more careful with getting the trademark attorney and doing an extensive search and, and all of that. I think you towed the line almost perfectly though in the sense of most people hear that they need the trademark and everything and like perfectly lined up and they see that as way too much work and it keeps them in, in action to the start. Whereas I think you were in a lot of ways flying by the seam of your pants, just like figuring it out as you go. And I mean that in the best way possible, you were staying in motion. You weren't going to yeah. just sit in this funk of, yeah. well, my main revenue source, my main marketing tool for everything is gone. I'm, I'm helpless. I'm hopeless. It was like, no, how can I look for a light, a hope? And at least if I'm not going to be able to pay rent, like it's going to be because I tried to, you know, try something else or, or learn. It wasn't like you were just going to lock yourself in the room for the next 30 days until Instagram came back on.
1: Yeah, I mean, that was the huge thing. It was literally the next day where I was thinking, if this got taken away, what's next? And I, that's why I went to the drawing board because I thought, okay, let me write out a bunch of things. What do I like to do? What brings me joy? Like, what can I mm. see myself doing every single day? What's authentic to me? And then I was like, what, what do I drink every single morning? Like, this is part of my morning routine. So I could authentically speak about it every single day. And it's something that I run out of and need more of, right? So when you're thinking about doing a product, you want people to be consuming it. A lot of times, like if you get vitamins, they sit in there for so long, and they don't go, you got to create a habit around Mm. the vitamins, like create some kind of fun little thing where people like take the vitamin and then do this next, right? So creating habits around things and people, most people that drink coffee already have a habit around it. So I think that that's also important to note. Um, But yeah, that whole, that whole journey, I'm glad it exactly the way that it did. And I had those like road bumps along the way so I could learn and help other people through the process. Um, and the whole trademark thing too, for me, it's preventative. So a lot of times, Mm -hmm. like if you think about your health, if we work out and eat healthy, um, yeah maybe that's more expensive, like the gym membership and the uh, organic food and stuff like that. And we think it's more expensive, but what's actually more expensive is when you get sick and you have disease disease and things like that. I say disease, but also disease. Um, later you spend lots of money on medical bills and things like that. And so looking at it that way with this, yes, upfront, it's more money to get a trademark attorney and to pay the trademark um, fees and all that kind of stuff. And people try to bypass that and start their businesses and then what happens is your business takes off you make half a million dollars and you're infringing on someone's trademark and now you owe that full half a million dollars to whoever has the trademark so it's just preventative stuff that yeah upfront it seems like a little bit more but it's so worth it to just make sure you're doing everything legally and really owning your brand because otherwise mm. you don't own your brand and you're putting something out there for the world and someone else might actually own your, your brand
0: the worst feeling in the world when you think it's yours and then you come to fruition. It's like you were raising someone else's child this whole time. Like that's they get all the proceeds. um Something came to mind there too. It's like they didn't
1: have I, to do anything but buy Yeah, it.
0: I I think of the insurance industry. I mean, think of how big of an industry that is. And to that whole point that you just made, that industry exists solely on this concept of it's preventative. You're gonna pay. A little bit or sometimes a lot of it up front or monthly whatever that looks like depending on your plan in kind of insurance that down the road god forbid something happens you're covered and you're you're good to go yep. i like that way of thinking
1: yeah um yeah and a lot of people go without insurance. It's a gamble, right? I mean, you're, you're rolling the dice because you have no idea. We have no idea what's going to happen. And if you're, you're paying a couple hundred dollars a month, but then you end up having hundreds of thousands of dollars that you owe, that's a, that's a big difference. And you want, you would have wished you were paying the couple hundred a month at that point.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it's so funny that there's definitely been times in my life where I've been looking at it. And don't worry, mom and dad, we got we got all the insurances, they're they're there. Um, but you look at it and you're like, man, if I'm trying to cut costs, like if only I didn't have car insurance, health insurance, dental vision, especially as an entrepreneur, right? Because when you don't have a company paying for that stuff for you and it comes out of your pocket instead, it can add up. <laughs> it's a little bit pricier. Yep.
1: Yep. (laughs) And hopefully you're making more money than you would be making at that job anyway. So it doesn't matter.
0: True. A hundred percent. You always have a good, good perspective shift there. (laughs) Um, How many months has it been now since Molly coffee has launched? It's been a few, right? We,
1: We launched mid July. So July, August, September, October, four months. So we were like four months from idea to launch. And now we are four hmm. months into the launch, which is so exciting.
0: What's been, I got two, two questions around that. What's been the biggest challenge so far in those eight months? Or I guess you kind of alluded to challenges early on in that first four. What about post-launch? What challenges have you faced and what's been like the the chat? the biggest one, the challengingest of challenges?
1: I would say marketing beyond my network, right? Mm. So I have my network. So we had a really successful launch and lots of people supporting things like that. And we do have repeat customers and there's still a few things I need to check off of my list as far as like subscription and things like that to make it easier and more accessible for people. Um, but I would say marketing and I haven't done like advertisement, like paid advertisements or anything like that. And I'm still trying to decide if I want to go with influencer marketing. So I would say having a little more, um, support around marketing and then figuring out where the marketing dollars should go is probably been the biggest challenge and just life in general happening, right. Um, Mm -hmm. during those months my grandpa got sick. And so he's, he had been sick for a while. And like I said, passed away this last week. And so it was kind of a halt on everything. I didn't know it was going to affect me so much mentally, physically, emotionally, and all of that. Um, so I would say definitely marketing has been a challenge and yeah, just getting the word out there about it. Um, And now we're in the process of like our next product. So we have three blends. We have the Raleigh Roast, the Bonnie Brew, and the Pink Power. And all of those go to different charities. And we're now gonna come out with the Lolly Boxes, which is your morning success kit. So it's like a um, starter kit come, like your morning success comes in a Mm -hmm. box and it'll have a journal, a candle, a mug, and the coffee. So we're just figuring out how to make all that happen, where to source from for those products and get that launched out. So we're just gonna keep moving forward with new products and fun stuff. And Lolly Coffee will actually be under the brand Lolly. And Lolly is Lauren and Raleigh, my grandpa's name put together. So the brand will actually be Lolly and then we'll just have other products underneath there. So we're kind of in that phase right now too.
0: I love it. And I love even, cause originally it was just Lolly Coffee was gonna be the brand, right? And I've, I've talked about on this show in yep. particular, I mean, it's a, it's a byproduct of the exact same thing. It started off under one name and then you realized at some point your vision that you have for it is going to outgrow a name, a label that you originally chose, even though when you originally chose it, like it was perfect, it was going to be the right fit. But just like our clothes, yep. we sometimes outgrow those things, even the perfect t shirt Sometimes we just get a little bit bigger and we need to find a new perfect t-shirt. So I love that you're changing things up there too. Yeah. And going really broad. Um, Yeah.
1: I think we're always evolving, growing, expanding. Yeah.
0: A hundred percent. A hundred percent. What's, um, walk us through the sourcing back end. Like I know, I know a little bit about it just because having done apparel and everything, but for those listening in that might be thinking, Yeah. I've always wanted to get into apparel. I've wanted to put together a subscription box, whatever that may be. What kind of roadblocks or things, I wouldn't even say roadblocks. What are you learning in that process as you're diving in and answering these questions of how do I bring this this one to market?
1: It's so much more work than you think. (laughs) Even when sourcing, you know, coffee beans, right? So from Ecuador, from Ethiopia, wherever you're getting it from, like knowing who the farmers are, knowing what, Mm. that they're getting paid enough and getting taken care of, knowing that they're testing properly and washing properly. And that by the time it gets the pallets get to the roaster that like everything's going right there. So there's just lots of steps in that. And then when it comes to the boxes, okay, it's like, all right, well, what size of box and how much is it going to be to ship? And are we double shipping? Like, am am I going to have a drop shipper? Am I doing this all from my apartment? Am I having, um, you know products sent from overseas, everything's backed up right now with the pandemic. Things are three to six months out. So where else mm. could I source from? I also live in Los Angeles. So there's downtown LA where there you can get a lot of products and things like that. Um you can get things made down there. So really finding okay, what kind of quality, what do I want in there? Um, and then what Do I want to put on the mugs and on the candles? What's the messaging? What do I want people to feel when they open the box, right? This is a lolly box, like a lollipop. Um, When you're a kid, lollipops are so exciting. You go to the bank and you get a lollipop. And it's like, it makes you feel warm and fuzzy and it's fun. I want people to feel that too, when they open their lolly box, I want them to feel warm and fuzzy, that this is fun. This is exciting. And that it's about them. The word lolly, um, actually means money or abundance in Mm. British and Australian slang and Lee means open and expansive. So I want people to feel abundant, open, expansive. Uh, And so by pouring into yourself, literally pouring like your coffee, right? Pouring into yourself first thing in the morning, taking that time in silence, taking that time to self reflect and and set yourself up for the day, what you even wanna do. And really this is all coming back to intention, intention Mm -hmm. on how you wanna show up um, and the people you want in your life, things like that. Um, So that's what I want with these boxes. So there's so much that goes into that, right? Like products are all gonna be sourced from different places likely all sent to me and then put together by me in the boxes but it's like what kind of stickers do you want what kind of wrapping stuff do you want oh there's so much that goes into it to make it happen
0: (laughs) and I feel like so many of those little details can make or break that experience for the consumer on the other end so it might seem like a lot up front but definitely it pays off when you're talking about overall customer experience and that's what I I loved about yeah yeah and
1: you experience. Go ahead. I was saying you experienced that with your boxes because you thought they were bigger than they were, and they ended up small, which then worked out perfect because you use them for a different purpose. But right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the beauty of the whole entrepreneurial game, right? Is I ordered those boxes for the Olympic uh, games that I threw back in August, and I thought. Okay, these are. I'm gonna put all the brand giveaway stuff in a forever athlete box and hand this. And for context, uh, I'll have to go find them and post a picture when we post this in the show notes. But they were, I didn't pay attention enough, I guess, in geometry, because they ended up being like three inches by three inches and one inch uh, deep. It was just not, nothing was fitting in that box of (laughs) what I thought it would.
1: A gift card um it was just it's just so funny because that is all the kind of stuff I remember you telling me how much it was to order them and I thought dang he got a good deal when I get boxes
0: (laughs) for context for everyone listening it was like a hundred something dollars for 50 of these like fully custom boxes and they were only printed on the on one side on the outside like printing stuff is expensive sourcing things can be really expensive um and I guess that's just something yeah. you have to, to look at as an entrepreneur, right? You start to see the cost. You start to see, well, if I order more in bulk, it's going to drive down my cost, so then I can offer it to the consumer at a lower price point, hopefully, uh, and build that into your profit margins. But now we're getting into the weeds of of all of this. What have you? What's the biggest thing you've learned <laughs> in the eight months since sitting down March thirty first with this idea? been the biggest thing.
1: I think it goes all the way back to that whisper in my ear that the cream will rise to the top which my grandpa always said and what he meant by that is never give up keep Mm. going even when it gets hard especially when it gets hard so there's been so many challenges and so many things that happened where typically you would quit you'd be like all right this isn't for me like this isn't going to work all that kind of stuff but if you keep going and you don't quit, like I can't wait to see where we are next year in July, like one year from the launch. Like how many products we have, like how, how many people we've helped, how many people we've connected with, new people. I mean, here's a cool thing. On Instagram, now I've gotten my Instagram account back, people have started following me because of the coffee company. And that to me is so much more special than like just following me for like pictures or just whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And I've now connected in person with those people. One of them I we randomly met at church and she's like, Oh, I just started following you you because of your coffee company. I thought, what? Um and another girl reached out and she lived in Santa Monica and we connected and she now buys the coffee and loves it. So I think that's something that's like really cool too, is like. Who you meet because of it? Like you launch a product, and then you have conversations like this on podcasts, and you talk about it, and it's just like this extra thing that like gets you out in the world and gets you more connected. So I'm so excited about that, and I I truly cannot wait to see where we're at. Um, And I guess it's less than a year from now, but yeah, I'm so excited.
0: I can't wait for more flavors to come out, so I can you know start sampling some more coffees and you know (laughs) help out there. It's been a really fun journey to see too. And I, I yes, bet it feels really good given all your your crazy experiences that you've had in all different walks of life, whether it be the adventure bug in you doing the Kilimanjaro, doing all these hikes and traveling. and I mean, you're always one person that's like, yeah, haven't you been there? And I'm like, no, I've n- never been. Like, I, I need to get there. Um, but it's got to be cool to see all these people that have followed you because of that stuff that you were doing and now you've created something truly that is bigger than you uh and quite literally it has a purpose well beyond you it's bigger than your name it's bigger than anything else that you as one individual could ever hope to build and it's got to be really cool to just have people acknowledge that and choose then to follow like they're going to know you as lauren the coffee owner rather than Lauren, the the girl who lived in the cave or whatever TV show that you were on. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah and it's cool as all of those were puzzle pieces to this mm. picture, right? If I didn't live in the cave, I wouldn't have started Unplugged. It wouldn't have led to the retreats. It wouldn't, all of that stuff then led to, because I wouldn't have been doing Unplugged Morning and having the coffee to even have the coffee idea um, had all of those things not happened And so when you can look back, you can really connect the dots on why everything happened the way it did, why the relationship failed, why you got fired from the job, why you moved across Mm. the country. All those things that maybe seem really hard at the time make sense and they're totally worth it when you get to this moment and what you said, it's like, I've never been more in alignment with my mission and my assignment here on this earth than I am right now because this is bigger than me. This is a legacy company. This is something that will go on beyond my time here. And so it's so fun to build. And that's the reason why I'll never give up. I'll just keep trying new things. Mm -hmm. I'm like, if something doesn't work, I'll try something else and then I'll change the name and we're going to keep moving. So, yeah, I just, when you're in alignment, like fully, mind, body, soul, mission, purpose, all of that. It's like, yeah, of course, this is what I was supposed to do. It all makes sense.
0: Yeah. I want to highlight because it's obvious to me, but I don't know if it's there for all the listeners. You said something earlier about your interpretation of your grandfather's quote of the cream always rises to the top and you're going to keep moving. I want to highlight the uh, almost a I don't want to say oxymoron, but it's funny that that came to the surface as you allowed yourself the space for it to, like you weren't physically moving in that moment, and because of that, you were able to mentally get the boost that you want. So the reason I wanted to highlight that is, I think a lot of athletes, myself included, I really struggle to just be a lot of times. Like I, I feel the need to jam-pack the schedule and go 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 and and fill it all in whereas sometimes the stillness to your point the whole concept around unplugged mornings has a very very beneficial uh meaning as well it just don't confuse silence and stillness for like not moving the needle forward like you need that as part of the balance too i guess is kind of my interpretation of just how you've told that story and what came up in that time.
1: Yeah. I love that, that, that stillness and quiet time is also a choice and is also a decision and it's also action. Even though you feel like you're Mm. not moving, sitting in silence is taking action. Like it's, this is intentional. I'm deciding to do this. And it's in those quiet, still moments, that all the answers lie, right? Because I believe all the answers that ever work or ever will be are already within you. Everything you're seeking mm. outside of yourself is already within you. But if we don't get quiet and get still, we can't hear it. Like it's trying to communicate with us. That's our intuition, trying to talk to us and communicate. And we're like, no intuition, stay quiet, stay down. I wanna do this other thing. Um, and it will start to try to scream at you and it'll look like different things. But it's like, if you just get quiet and still, sit there, breathe, tap back in, the answers will come up. And it'll be like this light bulb moment. Like the, co- I'm like mm. coffee, of course, why not? Like, yeah, duh. Um, but I wouldn't have heard that if I didn't go into that, that morning routine for myself. And so your point too, on the cream will always rise to the top. I remember my grandpa said that repetition, right? Over and over until I finally was like, what does that mean? Like, I don't really know what that means. And he said, some people we'll get to the top really quickly and Mm. they deserved it. But some people get to the top really quickly because they may have lied, cheated, stolen, stepped on people to get up there. And if that's the case, it's not sustainable long-term. They will not stay there. But if you're patient and kind, a servant leader, you tell the truth, you have integrity, like you're willing to wait and be in the process while you're moving forward, eventually you'll get to the top and you get to stay there. And so that's what's always given me so much hope and encouragement is like, if I don't get the the guy that I want or the job that I want Mm. or what all that kind of stuff, it doesn't work out the way I want. I am reminded that it's a journey and it may take longer and look way different than it does for other people. But when you get there, it's all worth it. And that's how I felt with the coffee company. Like when we launched Lolly Coffee and even getting to the name of Lolly, I'm like, oh, all that was so worth it to go through that other stuff, because this is the name, like this is it, this lights me up, it's so exciting, and so yeah, it's it's always worth it if you're patient, and, and willing to do the work, and just keep showing up.
0: Amazing, I'm glad that you keep showing up, and that you keep doing the work, um, because I indirectly benefit <laughs> in the sense of I get to, I'm fortunate to call you a good friend, and be so close to seeing what you're building, and it is just really, really cool, so please, don't stop uh, growing and all of that. I wanna ask you five quick questions, fast five here before we wrap things up and people can connect with you and find their lolly coffee and start their day with a smile. The first one I got is really, what's your go-to podcast that you are jamming out to lately?
1: My go-to podcast besides forever athlete, because honestly, if you send it to me, I listen to it. You also sent me one from Lewis Howes That was really good. Um, and he was interviewing Erwin McManus, which is one Mm -hmm. of my pastors. So I liked that. Um, I'm actually listening to a book right now. So I'm not listening to podcasts particularly. I'm listening to the way of integrity, finding your way to your true self by Martha Beck. So I think that's what I've been listening to recently.
0: I love that. Number 2 was what's your favorite book that you've read in the past year? Is it going to be something different than the audiobook?
1: Yeah, The Four Agreements is definitely my favorite that I've read in the last year and we'll be reading it again. I feel like it's the most transformative for me. When I read mm-hmm. it, something inside me changes and I behave differently and get a different result.
0: I love that. Number 3 is what's something that you can't live without?
1: What's something I can't live without? Yeah. I would say coffee, but I can live. I just don't want to do that now that I have a coffee brand. Um, (laughs) Something I can't live without. That's a really great question because I lived in a cave. Like that's the truth. Um, Because we had nothing. We had, we didn't have chapstick when our lips were chapped.
0: I was about to say, I was really curious to hear your answer to that one because other guests in the past have said coffee, like right away or all of these other things, but knowing your past experiences, it's funny how our past experiences influence our answers. Um, Number four is what's a quote that you live by?
1: that I live by is you can't say the wrong thing to the right person. So speak your truth.
0: I like that. I like that a lot. Um, Last one, number five. What's your one word focus at this point in time?
1: Intention. Mm. Doing things with intention. Everything I do, like every conversation, there's intention behind it. When I show up for my family, the intention to be kind and patient, just setting the intention and the space before I go into it. Mm. And s- space. I wrote yesterday, space was my word, and I spaced it out. <laughs> so intention and space.
0: <laughs> Intentional space. We'll, we'll combine the two.
1: Intentional space.
0: There we go. I
1: Spirit fingers on that.
0: I absolutely couldn't agree more with the intentionality piece because I think that's what a lot of being an athlete is about is you instilled at a ver- very early age intention. You learned that when you showed up to shoot the free throws, it was going to be 100 of them. It wasn't, you were just going out to like, go out and do it. Yeah. Like there was an intention behind it and you knew that, well, hundred might seem like an arbitrary yeah. number, but it played a, a critical role in really developing you into this crucial clutch player year after year, after year, as you continued to grow, Yeah. who knew that was going to be the benefit of the intentionality yeah. seed planted so early.
1: Yeah. And having that goal, right? That goal of a hundred. And it's, I think about that when my first goal with Lolly coffee was to Mm. sell a hundred bags of the Raleigh roast, but I didn't say buy when, right? Like grandpa would say a hundred free throws before you go inside. Right. So very clear, but I said a hundred bags of Raleigh roast that could have taken 10 years. So then I got clear on buy in, in 30 days and the next day we sold 20 more bags and hit a hundred. So intention, yes. Goal and, by when be specific
0: oh 100 you got to have that piece in there well lauren before we plug where people can connect with you i i do want to just acknowledge you for being one of the best people that i have connected with since moving out here i know we talked very early on about life teammates and finding the right people i'm just very fortunate that our paths crossed the way they did and I just appreciate you in my life. Where can those listening in connect with you, keep up with Lolly Coffee, order their Raleigh Roast, order some bags? I think we got a little discount code for them as well, right? So where can they find you?
1: So my personal account is Lauren L. Donahue. I post everything about upcoming retreats, fun stuff, all of that lolly coffee you can go on there um to check out stuff for the coffee company and also lollycoffee.com is the website where you can grab a bag of coffee and that's it that's where let's you can find go. us
0: let's go and i can't remember the discount code off the top of my head it's terrible but i believe it is forever athlete so if you want to go snag a bag of coffee support Lawrence
1: Athlete. lolly coffee
0: <laughs> go check it out First bag, not fully on me, but we'll save you some money, um, Lauren. Again, thank you, and if you're listening, again, thank you. Quite a few for... cups
1: on you. <laughs> What's up? I said quite a few cups on you for sure.
0: There we go. It's, it may, it makes a difference. Um, well, Lauren, thank you, and if you're listening, in, thank you as well for taking the time to tune into Forever Athlete Radio today. I encourage you to share this episode with a friend family member teammate because you know together we go far leave a review on apple Podcasts. biggest takeaways from today's conversation and connect with lauren she loves to connect and we're just connectors at heart so reach out to her she's here for you she's in your corner i will see you all on Monday.